This is the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we talk about the week's big political stories. I'm Mike Siluma. Thanks for joining us. First on our conversation this week uh, will be an update on the state of the ongoing coalition negotiations. This as the political parties in the country are scrambling to form governments, especially in most of the major metropolitan councils. Uh, Of course, we have to talk about ESCOM and its increasingly tough battle to keep the lights on following the resumption of load shedding this week. This aircon is racist. I've never, ever been a spy. Can the PBS bank uh, loot? The problem is that pinky. I'll never subject myself to whiteness. I'm listening. Can you have consistency, Honorable Chair? Corruption was an Olympic sport. They will always win gold. This is not a shape. Can you please come in? Let's welcome now our guests uh, for today's conversation. Once more, Professor William Gumeja, uh, who's associated with the School of Governance at the University of Vetvaterstrand, Khotazo Madisa, who is the Sunday Times politics reporter, and Sabelo Skiti, who is uh, the Sunday Times investigative journalist. Welcome to the show, all of you. Let us start with you, uh, Khotazo. Let, let us just uh, very quickly give a bird's eye view of the state of play in the just in in the major metros of the coalition negotiations, shall we start in uh, in Joburg? In Joburg, there there hasn't been much movement. Um, I think we're still um, in the same position that we were last week um, when we had the discussion. Um, the parties seem to be not finding each other. Uh, the Patriotic Alliance in Johannesburg, for instance, seem to have started the plans by by the Democratic Alliance to form a coalition of of opposition parties to basically unseat the ANC. So Patriotic Alliance pulled out of those negotiations, meaning um, uh, that that, uh, coalition of of oppositions will not be able to govern in in Johannesburg since they do not meet the uh, much-needed 136 seats in in, in the Joburg Council to form a government. They they are lacking there around... In, um, around 120, or yeah, just around 120. So the DA, um, which seemed to have uh, been most likely to to govern, has uh, has yeah, is uh, uh, that those plans have, have have collapsed. Same with the ANC. Uh, their uh, negotiations with the with the EFF have also collapsed, leaving them in the very same position as the DA. They also can't govern. But what we're hearing is that they're thinking of forming. Uh, governments of minorities while they are continuing to talk. Okay. And they've got how, how much longer to talk still? This is a few days we're talking. Uh, Bramak, they have until Monday because uh, the councils have to sit by have to uh, have to sit by Tuesday. So they have until Monday, but we believe that they are now done. Well, the ANC has just released a statement today on Thursday saying they've completed their negotiations with parties. They did not go into details around, you know, who they're giving what, where, and whether they'll be um, able to govern in certain areas. But they're saying they're done with those negotiations. We don't know what that means. But they're going to their National Executive Committee this week, um, starting tomorrow, where they're going to announce mayoral candidates and also um, debate uh, uh, or get an update, rather, from the coalition's negotiations team um, on, 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 you know, the the discussions that they've had and the agreements that they've come to with these political parties. Mm. And in Tswane, Pretoria, how do things stand there? We you know who who are the 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 major players there. Uh, look, uh, 
DA is likely to take Tony. They just need to go back to the table and, and, and have some sort of an agreement with Action SA. They have the numbers, they just need Action SA. Without Action SA, they won't be able to govern. Same with, 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 um, with the ANC. And we understand that their discussions with the, the DA's discussions with the, with the Action SA collapsed, so to speak, because the DA insisted on only um, engaging with Action SA on 20, but Action SA wanted a, an engagement, um, an overall or an overarching engagement on, on all uh, hung municipalities. Um, but the DA wanted to avoid Johannesburg because we know Mashaba still wants to be the mayor there. So those discussions collapsed, uh, and those were the discussions that were going to give as an indication of where Twani is. But yeah, so at the moment, um, there is no uh, movement in terms of Twani as well, but I, I still believe the DA is most likely to to to, to govern there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was speculation that uh, um, Zandila Masina might very well be coming back as, uh, or might not, might very well not be vacating the office because uh, it looked like there was going to be a deal struck. Uh, between the ANC and the EFF, uh, is is that still the kind of um, idea? It's, it's a very it's a very weird strategy that the ANC had had come up with. They had heavily relied on the EFF. Uh, remember, had they agreed with the EFF, they would easily govern in Johannesburg and and Ekurulene. Easily in Ekurulene, they wouldn't even need these other smaller parties. But now. Those discussions with the EFF have collapsed, um, leaving Ekurleni in the very same precarious situation that they found themselves in last week. So, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise um, Zandile Masina to to keep his staff in the offices yet. To relax, they still have them <laughs> to relax. He shouldn't be relaxing. He should, if he had packed um, his office, he should still keep those those things in the boxes just just for now. Just for now, um, but the ANC guys are saying because they have a majority there, um, they'll just you know uh, uh, make sure that they have the they speak to um, parties like the IFP, ACDP, and other smaller parties that have have numbers in there to form a, a coalition with uh, several minority parties there. So the last the last option for them is to have a minority government where you know you don't have a fifty plus one, but you you still put up a mayor, you put up a speaker, you run the council, and then only when you need to pass budgets and, 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 and elect you know, municipal managers or whatever big decision that the, the municipality will have to make, um, and only then um, uh, reach out to these other smaller parties. So Masina, yeah, he's, he's not out, but he's not in. He's not in either. (laughs) (laughs) Now you know I was I was fascinated by what uh, how things panned out in 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 KZN uh, between the ANC and the IFP because initially the impression that was given was that the IFP wanted nothing to do with the ANC. So what 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 brought about the change? Do we know this that that led to this uh, to to this agreement? You know, bro, Mike. um, I've been looking at at the developments there and speaking to people in the ANC and the IFP. They're saying, well, the ones in the ANC are saying, we as the media uh, 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 did not report on what the IFP was saying accurately, and that uh, the IFP has never said they're not going to work with the ANC. Um, They just said that they're not going to go into a coalition with the ANC. And now, even now, they are not going into a coalition with the ANC. They're just leaving 
or letting the ANC rather govern where they have uh, majority votes and the ANC would uh, in turn leave the the, uh, the IFP to govern where they have made the uh, majority. So they would not be challenging each other um, in, 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 in KZN. So they are claiming that we we and the media um, read read all of all of that situation wrong, and that they've always had a good relationship with the with the IFP. However, oh yeah, yeah. So 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 the media collectively just misunderstood them. <laughs> Essentially, we cannot do our job. That's basically what they're saying. But um, but when you have a look, when you when you when you go back to listen to that press briefing by Shabisa, the, the leader of the IFP, and you listen to the briefing again, um, was it yesterday? It is a U-turn. They had made it absolutely clear that they don't trust the, the ANC, they, they cannot uh, work with them um, when you know people in the, in the KZN have essentially rejected the ANC. But, I mean, letting the ANC govern or not challenging them is itself a form of working with them. I mean, if, if they don't have a majority... Um, how are they going to pass budgets if you're saying um, you will not be challenging them and you're not going to work with them? So, so we believe that the the arrangement that the IFP will now have with the ANC in 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 KZN will also apply in Johannesburg and Kuruleni. They've they've had those discussions and we believe that the people who were uh, part of the uh, negotiations in KZN uh, were also joined by the guys who are negotiating for Johannesburg and Ekurlin. And although the IFP uh, former leader, uh, Mangosutu Telezi, has denied this, um, that the president was in any way involved, we have it on good authority that um, the two met on uh, Tuesday or Monday. I can't remember properly, but they met and that um, the president's involvement with, with, with uh, or engagement rather with, the, IF, the former IFP leader, Mangosutu Guterres, is essentially what sealed the deal um, between the IFP and the ANC and led to the U-turn. So the, the IFP meets with, the IFP negotiations team meets with the ANC negotiations guys on Saturday, right? Yes, there are concessions that are made, they, they agree in principle, but we understand that there was, therefore, there was a call to say, in order to cement this thing, the president would have to would have to would have to be involved, and that led to the meeting between the IFP uh, former leader Mangosutubutelezi and uh, the current president Cyril Ramaphosa. So Mangosutubutelezi claims that that meeting was only meant to discuss, you know, that the how the throne contestation is happening uh, at, the, at the at the at the at the Zulu Royal House and whatnot, but that that, that coincidence. Um, puts whatever he's saying, you know, uh, um, in doubt because I mean you're discussing, you're in the middle of discussing coalitions. Um, um, IFP needs uh, uh, ANC to 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 cement uh, and, and 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 confirm some of the discussions that they've had or the agreements, and then at the same time you have this meeting um, which discusses the royal house that has absolutely nothing to do with the coalitions. I, I think that uh, coincidence is. Um, yeah, it's very weird. So we have it on good authority that they did absolutely. We have it on good authority that it was discussed. Um, and the president, uh, I mean, we know him to be um, a great negotiator. We believe and we are, have been made aware that um, he's the one who essentially sealed the deal. Because immediately a day after they met, 
the IFP comes out and and, and makes those the, the announcement that they make that, that they made that they'll be working with the IFP. They could have done that any other day. They could have made that announcement on Sunday, Monday, or whenever. But they made it, you know, a day after this meeting between the president and the former leader. Okay, I I I think that let's bring in here uh, Professor William Gumete. Uh, William, you, you've just heard uh, 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 Hutato just unpacking what the, the, the state of affairs in the different uh, key municipalities. Um, the, these talks, uh, would you say, you know, that, that, that are happening between the parties, uh, are they really about the citizens and the voters or are they about the benefit primarily of parties and their, and their members? Um, thank you. Um, you know, uh, from where I'm sitting, it does appear that uh, these talks of, uh, you know, to get these coalitions going are really um, based on the interests of parties rather than the interests of the local constituencies. Um, so I, I do worry about the coalitions that will come out of this, whether they actually would be coalitions that will deliver um, at a local level if uh, because it is now focusing on getting, you know, the interests of parties, um, whether it is giving a party um, members a job here uh, or um, a contract there uh, or just, or you know, the mayoral position um, in return for something else. So it does seem like horse trading here, not on behalf of ordinary citizens, but horse trading on behalf of the party's interests. Mm. And and the, 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 do you think that the, the, the those kinds of uh, coalitions uh, will, you know, how, how stable will they be? Let me put it that way. Now, you know, if you want to take the experience from 2016, similar, you know, horse trading happens based on the interests of parties. Now, you know, on, on those occasions, coalitions were unstable and or it often collapsed. So the coalitions that really worked after 2016 were those that really were policy-based and policy-specific mm-hmm. rather than party interest-specific. Uh, when I say interest, it means in terms of um, exchanging jobs, uh, positions, uh, mm-hmm. contracts, um, and, and so on. So, I mean, to make a coalition um, sustainable, um, if one learned the lessons from 2016, is for parties really in coalitions to work out a deal based on policies and based on delivery. And then the secondly, to make these deals public. Um, and then thirdly, to consult also with their own constituencies thereafter, not only with their party leaders. I mean, the case here, case at end with Itakweni, uh, clearly it seems that the President Ramaphosa was brought in to, you know, to seal the deal um, for that local um, um, coalition. But it would be more important that the ANC and the IFB go back to their own constituencies and tell them, uh, why did they go into a coalition and what have they agreed on and make that public so that their own constituencies can also hold them accountable. And of course, also the public and the media and civil society can hold them accountable. That really will make it sustainable. Mm. 
Okay. Now on that note of uh, of of delivery, let's talk to let's talk about the next story of the week uh, that that we have selected. That of course is Eskom. What is going on at Eskom? Um, uh, and I'd like to bring in now uh, Sabelo Skichi, who's uh, the Sunday Times investigative uh, journalist. Uh, now, the, uh, Sabelo, in Parliament, the ESCOM team, uh, we're, we're talking to the to the Portfolio Committee on Public Enterprises, and they they were at pains to argue that there is a plan. You know, both the CEO and the Minister, uh, Pravin Godan, said that they, 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 there is a plan. You know, what, what is your reading of the thing? I mean, you, you've been following the goings on at ESCOM for a long time, uh, even before the crisis uh, happened. Do, do, you, do you believe the story that there is a plan? Uh, good afternoon, Pramak, and good afternoon to the listeners and uh, Prof Kumede. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's such an interesting question, you know, whenever someone asks us, um, you know, whether we believe, um, you know, all of what ESCOM says. And I think just sticking to the plan itself, I think the plan that ESCOM has right now, um, if you listen to not just what they said in Parliament yesterday, but what they've been saying, um, you know, this year, for instance, uh, the only plan that there is at the moment, I believe, is that uh, the plan is for renewables to come. Um, online. They are hoping that, um, especially with the recent announcement by the Department of Energy, um, that once renewables come, um, you will be in a position to stabilize the grid and you will be in a position to push more aggressive maintenance um, of this problematic plant. You know, um, when you analyze everything else, I mean, when you look at particularly, I'm hoping at some point we'll get into the detail of some of these units and power stations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at what they're saying about the plan maintenance that they're going to do over the weekend. Um, there hasn't been a lot of focus on it. I know they insist that they've been doing maintenance, but if you look at the sort of um, amount of breakdowns that we're seeing and we look at the amount of statements that they've been issuing talking about delays in bringing units mm-hmm. back um, you can see that you know um, th- they are not at all to grips with the immediate problem you know in fact I remember um, the ESCOM spokesperson last week in one of the radio shows um, talking about the fact that there are no short term solutions here unfortunately South Africans have to basically brace for load shedding for the next while you know so I think the, the their thinking is around the you know the long term, uh, bringing in that um, capacity that you'll be getting from you know solar and wind power and, and and all these other renewable energies. And once you're in a position to do that, then you can actually put proper maintenance um, on the cold forward um, you know generation fleet. There seems to be a blame game that that has arisen now. If, if you if you look at what uh, the finance minister said about the CEO yes. uh, of ESCOM uh, on the weekend, the thing that the, the story that we reported on, uh, if you look at what uh, what uh, what uh, Pravin Godan has yeah. said, well, I'll, I'll go back to, what, to 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 the specific things that he said when he was in yes. in parliament. But politically, what what does that tell us? As, as to what might happen, you know, it is, are, are we are we are we likely are we not likely to to lose focus, you know, when you've got you know the 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 key players, you know, yeah. the the finance minister, the 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 public enterprises minister, the CEO, even yeah. blaming other people. Yes. So you know, for me, and 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 I mean, this is something that I've sort of you know been sort of thinking and expressing um, over the last couple of months is that. One of the most unfortunate things about ESCOM, and I think, you know, it's a pity because this is such a big problem, um, is that, number one, even the problems that you see inside the the utility itself um, are being looked at through 
the lens of a you know white CEO vis-a-vis what um, some of some of now realize are the imperatives of transformation and all of those things, you know. So whenever we talk about ESCOM problems, ultimately Terata's name comes up, you know. But we never discuss the power stations. For instance, we don't know how old uh, Matimba, Krill, you know, all of these power stations are because if we knew that, then we would be able to actually um, look into the detail of what is being said about the breakdowns. Um, and I think you, you're quite correct. You know, those sort of political statements and I think I mean in as much as I understand the frustration of the finance minister and I understand that he was communicating a real frustration but it also betrayed something that was worrying coming from a cabinet minister you know that seems to sort of lack an appreciation of just how deep the ESCOM problem is and you know it's quite simplistic you know for someone to sort of say um, yes you know this guy has been given the most amount of leeway Um, if you listen to the argument that they're making for instance and I mean there's certainly been news articles and, 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 and information to back up the fact that at a certain point in the recent history of ESCOM, maintenance wasn't done, you know. In fact, some of the money that was meant for maintenance was diverted, you know, to other, you know, problematic contracts like coal supply and those sort of things at ESCOM. You know, so those are very real things and they have a very real impact um, in, gen- in engineering terms when you run a machine uh, without necessarily looking after it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is bound to start failing. So the reality is that there is a, you know, much more than usual failure of this equipment um, during Andre Dereta's time. I think the most disappointing thing for me is that there doesn't seem to have been a exercise to actually pinpoint and troubleshoot what the actual problem is. So you hear ESCOM come out one week and talk about the fact that, you know, it's a dead horse. Uh, The next week they'll come out and tell us that we can't procure fast enough. Uh, We need to talk directly to OEMs because, you know, everyone else is not giving us adequate sort of help. Um, And then the next moment you'll hear them talk about, um, you know, people that are tweeting ahead of load shedding, you know, as if there's some dark forces Mm -hmm. uh, that are conniving people inside the entity. So, you know, for me, it's a bit of a worry when you've got you know, leadership that doesn't seem to have a handle or a proper mm. diagnosis on the problem. Mm. Um, and they rather, you know, want to play to the gallery and take part in this political uh, sort of back and forth, you know, mm. now trying to hint that treasury might be a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, Professor Kumete, Savelo points to to what he says is a leadership that does not seem to have, a, that that's not on top of the problem. The, the, these public spats, what 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 do they do to public confidence in the leadership at ESCOM? I mean, the big thing really, which is very disappointing, as Sabella has pointed out, is that the ANC leaders do not understand the depth of the problem um, at ESCOM, but also at other entities. Um, you know, um, so the problems um, that ESCOM is facing now um, is the problems, uh, you know, of uh, corruption, mismanagement, and cutter deployment in the past. Now, the way um, state-owned entities work and infrastructure also is once you run it down, when it's run down, it is very difficult to recover it. I mean, to to transform a state-owned company that has been captured, it will take at least five years if one compared to other state-owned companies. And that is if all of the um, issues are, are being addressed. I mean, just think about you have to, one has to compare 
Um, ESCOM, for example, with Steinhoff, I mean, it is absolutely no way that Steinhoff, even as a private company, will have a better chance to quicker recover than ESCOM as a state-owned company. Now, unfortunately, that is the reality. And that is why, of course, you know, uh, often countries privatize in uh, state-owned institutions. It's not always because of ideology. It is just because an entity has been destroyed in such a way that to try to renew it and build it up will take so long and so costly that it become easier um, to just to sell it off and give it to the private sector. The big problem really is for the, for the CEO of ESCOM, and it is also a problem with many other state-owned entities, is that he doesn't have the pol full political support to do a turnaround. Uh, um, and a turnaround he will have to do, he you know, has to cut um, the costs um, in order to make this turnaround happen. Now there's a political opposition um, in the ANC to cut um, employees because that is necessary now. Um, also, there is also political opposition to cut um, bonuses and salaries because there's a national union of mine workers linked to the ANC uh, who will oppose it. So you can't do that, it's, you, you know, it's impossible. Then there's the contracts, there's also a cost issue, um, you know, ineffective, uh, inefficient contracts, high price con contracts. We can't do much about that e either because either there is a transformation issue because people will say, well, these are black contracts, you can't do that because you're going to be anti-transformation. Or it is contracts by political capitalists close to the ANC, can't touch it because you know he, they, they will respond um, to him. Then there's the coal mafia, for example, linked to the ANC, funding the ANC, can't touch the um, 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 either. He's got an executive, uh, you know, many of them are not fit for purpose for to restructure, can't do that much because they will run straight to the ANC, straight to the president and create um, issues. So even they, it, you, you know, he's locked. Even with his board, I mean, you know, when you do a restructuring of an entity that is so deeply in trouble, you really have to have a fit for purpose board to help you support you. Have to, you can't even do that. So he can't handpick his board either. And and look, during this crisis, have you heard the board board members saying anything? They've been quiet. Now they're supposed to support him, and that shows the weakness of the board because the board in the turnaround must support um, the CEO. The CEO doesn't need to speak. Uh, um, you know, in Parliament or, or to the President, it is supposed to be the board who needs to defend the strategy of the CEO. So that's not happening. So I think in that context, he is really doing his best uh, with, in a, with, a, with no political support. Um, so either he, at some point, he will have to make a decision whether he will continue with trying to flog a dead horse without any political support his career, making you himself very unpopular in the public because the public don't understand, um, or uh, whether he will, will quit early uh, because of there's no support. Uh, so I'd, I'd like for you, uh, as we wrap up, uh, to, to come to, to come in here. The, we, we seem to be. Could it be that we have got in part? Uh, we have got a structural problem in terms of how we're dealing with energy because we've got the Minister of uh, Energy, uh, of Mineral, M M Mineral Affairs and, and Energy, yeah. and then you've got the Minister of Public Enterprises yeah. seemingly dealing with the same thing, but actually not talking. Yeah. So I think, 
I think this is part of the problem. Um, you know, it 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 also exacerbates the sort of um lack of the inertia that you see in ESCOM um is the fact that you've got the, on the one hand, you know, um a Pravin Kodan Minister of Public Enterprises who in some quarters is seen as quite polarizing without even having done anything. You know, all he needs to do is to just be in He's a to room. to be there, to show um, his and face. Then, and then, you know, people immediately form on either side of him, you know. And then you've so so you've got this powerful sort of like uh, personality, so to speak, uh, in terms of the wider ANC politics. Um, and then you've got Kwede Mandashe, who is the Minister of Energy, who, of course, you know, uh, boosts politics um, and ideology sort of influence a lot of the sort of the decisions that he makes um, in that ministry. You know, you would have listened to, for instance, um, you know, his, 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 his rebuffing of, um, you know, the renewable energy agenda. Um, a lot of it is based in sort of his own political ideology and his beliefs on, you know, if we do this, we will be surrendering a key part of the economy, um, you know, type of thing. That's how we sort of views this. Um, so, You've already got these, and then you've got a president like President Ramaphosa, who has been slow to sometimes be decisive um, on these things. So for me, it, it almost reminds me of there was a critical point at which SAA, um, right after they started the business rescue, you know, needed um, immediate cash. You know, that would have seen the business rescue become a success. Um, and it took forever for that to happen. And part of that was because of the different political contestations, you know, at, 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 the, at the level of the ANC. You know, Pravin Koran literally had to go and try and wrestle a part of the money um, out of one of our DFIs to be able to at least ensure that the business rescue continues. But of course, we do know that at some point, the, the rescue practitioners had to threaten liquidation um, because there, there just wasn't any follow through from the government. And I think a, a big part of that is the fact that um, you have some of these entities sitting in sort of mismatched uh, government departments. Um, so in, in the case of ESCOM here, you obviously now have got a CEO that talks directly to, to public enterprises, expecting that public enterprises will talk to the Department of mm. Energy about their needs. And what you did see, for instance, is that ESCOM was talking about, you know, um, the, 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 the bringing on of private power, um, only in the newspapers talking about a need for it and that it needs to be done quickly. And of course, you know that the DMRE minister was sitting on this thing. Um, eventually, it took the president, you know, coming in and sort of forcing this thing to, to actually happen. And, and of course, increasing the numbers. And then you had ESCOM again coming out sort of publicly saying, you know, um, it's a great move. So you've almost got this cold war. Um, you know, between ESCOM and a department that sh it should be reporting to because everything um, that is tied to ESCOM's future right now, even the renewables program and, you know, the emergency power is something that is being done at some an administrative level at the Department of Energy, you know, but you seemingly don't have um, fluent communication between the two parties. Mm. In fact, you've got divergent views on just, you know, the most important sort of, um, things that you would expect that they would agree upon to move forward. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, we seem to have run out of time. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to come back, uh, Sabelo, and, and, 
and Professor Kumete and 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 Hotato, uh, to take this conversation forward. You know, because it's not one that's going to go away anytime no. soon. <laughs> um, but uh, we'd like to just thank our guests for this week's con- conversation, Professor William William Kumete, Associate Professor at the School of Governance at the University of uh, Witwatersrand, Hotato uh, Madisa, Sunday Times. Uh, politics reporter, as well as uh, Sabelo Skiti, who is the Sunday Times uh, investigation journalist. Uh, and by the way, for the podcast of this conversation, you can go to iono.fm, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or wherever you prefer to source your podcasts. Until next time, do remember to stay safe, sanitize, wear the mask, and avoid crowded places. I'm Mike Siluma, signing off. <laughs> <laughs>